Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. So as you all know, we've been um, along this beginning of a series, a year long, a spiritual, a year of spiritual formation. And we are now in our second series of that. And we call it Christ Unboxed because we're revealing Christ's unique role within the Trinity, which is what we heard about in our first series. First off, can we all agree that the Bible is a great book? Is it your favorite book? You guys are looking for points. I don't read very often. I'm not like a huge reader. So that's always been probably my weakest point with my relationship with God is to dig into his word. So then they made me preach. Now I gotta dig. No, it's good. So what I've, what I've discovered is how God calls us to be children, how God calls us to come to him as children. And I loved that. We discussed that in our midweek group a little bit. It was one of our little tangents. And the book of the Bible is my favorite. Even though I don't read lots of other books out there a lot, I read the Bible the most. And I want to be like a child where I'm crawling up onto my father's lap and I'm asking him to show me more. I want to hear more. And that's what we're going to do today. So I'm inviting you to crawl up and to hear a really good word from God. And in our key verse for this whole series, we're going to find that in 1 Timothy 3, verse 16. Beyond all question, the mystery from which truly godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up into glory. And that was like Jesus in a nutshell. That, was, that seems like a short story, but that's not... The story wasn't short. The Bible is actually long. It's lifelong. But within it, there's a mystery there. Jesus' role within that trinity of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, there's still a mysterious aspect to it. And my topic is we're, we're going further from, we heard last week about the incarnation, where the Word becomes flesh, God becomes flesh. And this week, we're going to hear more about God's promises of that incarnation, of how that, what he wanted to reveal through the incarnation. And we call that a covenant. 
And, tonight, and today we're going to hear about those covenants being fulfilled through Jesus. But first, we're just, I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just invite you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Just fall upon every head here this morning. Enter in. We invite you, God. We invite you in within our spirits, God. We ask you to open our eyes. We ask you to open our ears. We ask that every word that's said is your word, God. We ask that those words remain. What you want to reveal here this morning, let it remain. May it take, may it take seed, God, this morning. In your heavenly name, amen. So like I said, we're going to hear a little bit about the covenants being fulfilled. It's sort of what I like to call God's great rescue plan. That's my title. I like to make things simple for myself because God's a mystery. Can it seem a little overwhelming or complicated? And I am just a person. And I... I I'm limited and capable of many things, but I'm not able to understand everything. So when we hear the word covenant, often uh, in the Old Testament, it's a way that God revealed his promises to man. And a covenant is something like a contract, but without an end date, because God never intended it to end. But it's more than just a contract. It's more like a partnership is what he desired with man. And a covenant is an agreement or a promise of terms, and it's usually sealed between two or more parties. And a partnership is a relationship where two or more parties work together to advance mutual interests. And if we remember from our first series, God is relational. He's really desiring the partnership within that covenant. That's his purpose. And within that covenant, God will reveal to us, not just in one, there was many, many covenants in the Old, in the Old Testament. And we'll touch on just a couple today. But we'll see it as a revealing of a restored, everlasting partnership with man. Because Jesus was always the plan. Last week, Pastor Dave had said that Jesus wasn't the last resort. Like he wasn't the life ring that was thrown in at the end to save us. He's the first, and he was always God's plan. So we're going to dig a little bit into that plan. Because I find that when you dig, don't, isn't there something usually revealed? Like you're digging into something, unless you watch Oak Island, and they keep digging into that money pit. There's not much being revealed there, and they're never going to find the Ark of the Covenant there. 
So the first covenant that we're going to cover today is the one he makes with Abram, or Abraham. And we call that the Abrahamic, I hope I say that right, covenant. That's right. And within covenants, there's a promise that's made, and God, this is God's promise. We're going to find that in Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. The Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curse you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. We heard this verse last week. I was almost a little disgruntled because I was like, Pastor Dave, you're using my key verse. But this is a great beginning. This is the introduction. This covenant is a revealing of God's purpose, what he wants is a relationship with man. He's made a couple of covenants before, but this is what he really is starting to talk about what he wants to see in a relationship. He's reaching out. So he makes Abram a lot of promises. A lot. And throughout all of his time with Abram, he keeps repeating the same promises. A son, not just a son, many heirs, a great nation. Your descendants will be many. Can you count the stars? Can you count the dust on the ground? That's what's coming after Abraham. But through him, not just kings will come, but a descendant that will bless all people. God's revealing himself. He's revealing his plan. And we find this is mainly my second point. So we've heard God's promise. And we move, there's always terms between a contract, an agreement with people. There's some terms. But God doesn't really ask all that much of Abram. This is an unconditional contract, a unilateral agreement, where God is really just binding himself to this agreement. And really, in return, he's asking for Abram to be a faithful servant, to train up his family, and to do what's right. And even though he questions, don't you, I do. I don't have an heir. I don't have a son. How, what, how will this be? He does keep moving forward, though. He is faithful to God. All right, God. Um, he decides to take it into his own hands a little bit first. He does have a son, Ishmael, with his wife's servant. God again says, he reminds him again, no, that's not the one. You, I will give you a son, your true heir. And Isaac is born. And, God, and Abraham is like a hundred. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if a newborn baby at the age of a hundred would be much of a blessing to me. <laughs> But this was a different time, 
and he's, he's feeling still pretty prime. But from terms, we move to a sacrifice or an offering. This is what God usually calls within a covenant. So a sacrifice or an offering needs to be made. And, and Abraham does build some altars, not many, just where God meets him. And after his son has been born, sometime he does ask him, just comes to him and says, I'd like you to take Isaac and sacrifice him. And he doesn't question him. What do you think he was thinking as he's walking his son, as he's carrying his own wood for the sacrifice unknowingly? And they build it together, and he ties his son, and he lies him on the altar. Was he hoping for God to intervene? I would be. But I want you to see the importance of this sacrifice that God's asking of him. His true heir, his firstborn son. What he's considering as an ultimate sacrifice. And he sees his obedience and he intervenes. And he provides a sacrifice in his stead, a ram in the thicket. <coughs> But I want you to see what God's revealing there, what it will take. That there's a great promise of something coming, but it will take an ultimate sacrifice. God requires a seal to our covenants, to our agreements. And in Abraham's covenant, we see this in Genesis 17, verse 10. Another one. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. I'm, I'm sorry. We're not going to dwell here very, very long because that'll just get awkward for the men. But this is important because this is showing that he's telling Abraham he wants his people to be set apart as a chosen people. So God's really revealing some things here that, that all people will be blessed through him. He's referring to the Messiah. He's also saying what a strong, ultimate sacrifice it will take for that to happen. And he's also revealing that they are a set-apart people, that he has a chosen people. And that's his first revealing with the partnership with man. We'll move on to the second covenant. It's the Mosaic. Sounds pretty. It's just a covenant with Moses. And unlike the first covenant where really all it took was the fear of God for Abraham to just be faithful. It was like the child where they're looking and it's always, it's like the wonder years. And they're like, yeah, okay, tell me more. Oh, that was great, God. 
that was wonderful. But time has gone on, and the Israelites are living in captivity in Egypt, and they're slaves, and their lives aren't all that good, and they haven't really been worshiping God either all that much anymore, some of them. There's a lot of grumbling going on. So God renews his covenant, and he tells Moses in Exodus 6, verse 2 to 8. And God says to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. This is a new revealing. He didn't reveal himself as Yahweh to Abraham before. I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty, but I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them under its terms. I promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they were living as foreigners. And you can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I am well aware of my covenant with them. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt, and I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Let you, then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. And I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and I will give it to you as your very own possession, because I am the Lord. And he does that. He delivers them from Egypt. Many plagues happen. He even takes out all the firstborn sons who haven't been covered by the blood of the Lamb. He, he delivers them again and again as they're in the wilderness, first at the parting of the Red Sea. These are those great, wondrous works. And the Israelites are all like, yes, that's great. And right after, they're like, oh, where is God? Can you relate? This is like, we're done with the wonder years. We've moved on to the teenage years. So much eye-rolling going on. God, I'm hungry. Here's some manna. How about some quail? Like for 40 years, he provides for them day and night. And they're like, oh, I got to go pick it up myself. I got to pick up twice on day six, like double the amount. I can't pick it up on Sunday. Oh, Saturday whatever Sabbath is. So God promises a lot, though, and he provides a lot. He, and he promises that he's going to deliver them into the promised land. So he expands his covenant with Abraham's line to the entire tribes, all the tribes of Israel. He makes this now, this covenant, not just with one man, but to all of them. His chosen people. He says that there'll be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a mighty nation, He'll deliver them, you know, with armies. And, and if they could just walk through all this, well, okay, we'll just keep doing it for us, God. Well, there's some terms. 
So we go from the promise to the terms of this condition. This is, this is conditional, not unconditional, like Abraham. Lots of laws introduced, lots of instructions and rituals, and that tabernacle. Have you ever read that, what it took to put up that tabernacle? Proper altars need to be made. Don't have any other idols, no other gods. Ten Commandments. There was more than just that, but really important ones. But this was all to teach, show the teaching of what it would take to become the faithful Israelite. So God's revealing again, this is what it would take. We hear that, you know, Abraham was faithful, but he, he's going to say that there's still a blessing that's coming from him. So a blessing for everyone. There's always going to be a great sacrifice. This is what it's going to take to be that faithful Israelite that I need to follow my laws. And they just can't get it. I can't. I can't complete all those. And again, another offering and a, a sacrifice that God asks. And in Exodus 13, 12, he says, You must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. We see the importance laid again on the firstborn son. But like Abraham, he doesn't say that you need to sacrifice them. He offers a buyout plan. You can use the goat, the bull, the ram, and the pigeon and the dove. But I need you to offer your firstborn sons. There is great importance. God reiterates this again. But they need to atone every year. They need to bring sacrifices to the priests all the time. There's things they can wear, can't wear, what it's made out of, what their altars are made out of. There's so many things, it's overwhelming. It's either God's not doing enough to the Israelites or he's too much for the Israelites. Like we see when he's coming down Mount Sinai and he's thunder and lightning and fire and, and smoke. Now it's too much, God. The glory shining on Moses' face. That's too much, God. And they can't quite get it. They can't atone enough. They can't stop sinning. And we need to seal this agreement and in Exodus 16:23, he leaves us with the sign of the Sabbath. He told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what's left tomorrow. And they even put this on the Ten Commandments. It's pretty important. God rested. He created a lot and he rested. There's importance to set aside time 
for him. And we've listened to these two um, covenants, and God has now revealed through this one the impossibility of us ever attaining to what it will take to be that faithful servant that will never fully obey. He's showing his purpose of why he needs to restore his partnership with the world and what it will take a great sacrifice. And he's paving the way to salvation by showing us how much we need Christ. Abraham and Moses, they were really faithful servants of the Lord, but they weren't God's planned examples, Jesus is. And even though there was still a lot of time before the birth of Christ, after Moses, they get to the promised land. Moses never saw it. Took a long time, a lot of eye rolling. And they get to the promised land, and they're supposed to drive out all the Canaanites, and they don't do that. And in fact, they start living like the Canaanites. And they don't want this God that's too much for them. They want a real king that they can serve. They want something that seems a little more relatable. And they appoint their own. That wasn't God's king. So he puts his own on there, and that's David. <laughs> but that's not the covenant we're going to talk about. It's just something alluded to because... David is also of Abraham's line, and he's a king. And we know that the Messiah is an anointed one. And we will hear again and again within that last parts of the Old Testament the prophecies of Jesus. In Isaiah, he brings it up as he's trying to encourage King Isaiah, I never say it right, Hazaz, whatever, something like that, but not as Russian. And, and he's really speaking to the people of the time, like the time, so that he can be relatable in, in his promises at the time where he's still going to keep, he's revealing more and more. He's becoming more specific in these prophecies of, of who's coming, what's coming, who's he coming for. Isaiah says that a virgin will conceive Isaiah 7, you're going to find that. And that that child will be called Emmanuel. That's God with us. And that he's going to come to set the captives free. Heal the lame and, and lift up the brokenhearted. Comfort who are mourning. Put new clothes on the poor. Do you see who's coming for? Can we hear what he's revealing? Jeremiah 31, 31 says, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. 
This covenant will not be like the old one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. And though I love them as a husband loves a wife, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. And I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Sins no more? You'll forgive my wickedness? It didn't tell you what that sacrifice was going to be. And we know in a covenant that there's a sacrifice. But I love how he says that he's going to write the, that law on the hearts and in our minds. He's revealing the Holy Spirit. Micah, he even goes further to say where this new Messiah will be born. He's getting really specific. The town of Bethlehem. Well, let's go there. Because we enter out of the Old Testament and the first book of the New Testament and the first verse of Matthew 1.1, we already see Jesus has fulfilled. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and Abraham. He is from Abraham's line. And they call him the Messiah the anointed one. So Jesus, not even born yet, is introduced as the fulfillment of the Old Testament covenants. He's from Abraham's line, so he will now bless the whole world. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's fully God, but in the flesh. So he will become the faithful Israelite that is truly able to follow the law. He's the Messiah, the anointed one. He will be king. He's from David's line. So that must bring justice and peace. And the angel says to Joseph, just further down in, one on, in verse 21, it's not up on the screen, and he confirms, Mary will conceive by the Holy Spirit, and you will call him Jesus. That means the Lord saves. And for he will save his people from their sins. He's not even a baby yet. And they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And then he's born in a stable. I love how Pastor Dave last week sort of talked about how he wasn't born in a palace. Like, he wasn't who we expected him to come as. During our midweek group, it was sort of brought up how indescript he was in the Bible and what that purpose might be. If he sort of seems something like we can, he kind of looks like me or he kind of looks like you. He kind of looks like anybody all over the world. He's much more relatable. 
So we hear about, you know, Jesus, how he's growing up, and he's sort of a kid. He does a lot of things, and then he's, then he's a man. And his ministry isn't very long. It's only really about three years, but he really gathers quite a following. And because we know in 1 Timothy that he's vindicated by the Spirit, he's blameless. He's the perfect example He's the faithful Israelite. He's showing us the way. It's not Abraham or Moses, it's Jesus. That's the example. That this was God's plan all along. It's like a rollout plan. It's a revealing. And if we can take any examples from the Israelites that even after God showed them these amazing things of how they were delivered time and time and time again, and does he do this in your own life? Does he deliver you from many things? And then you still grumble and you still roll your eyes. But Jesus is showing us, that's okay, roll your eyes. We'll just keep going this way. That's okay, you can grumble, I'll listen. He did some amazing things too. I'm on Lent, so I like his first miracle. Where he turned water to wine. And I have this little thing here and it's chocolate and if I have time I might reveal that too. <laughs> I probably have time, but I'm not eating that either. Anyways, so he does lots of things, lots of miracles, and he gathers this big following. He's got this great ministry, and it's, it's not really to the people that they thought it was going to be. It's, it's to the lepers. It's to the taxmen. It's to the disheartened. He's come for you and me. I've got burdens. Do you? This is who he's come for. But he is the one that establishes the new covenant, and his promise is in Matthew 26. And I don't need it on the screen because it's the Last Supper, and we know that that's communion. So he breaks the bread. He hands it to his disciples. Eat. This is my body. He's now inviting us to be part of the body of Christ. Here's the wine, drink this. It's like my blood, which will confirm this new covenant between God and his people. And we, I will pour it out as a sacrifice. There it is. To forgive the sins of many for salvation. But there's terms to this covenant. In John 14, verse 6, it's not up. It's all right. I'll repeat it. John 14, verse 6. We hear that the terms to this is to believe and live by faith. That's it. It's almost like it's unconditional. But does it seem to take a lot? <laughs> Surrendering to the Lord. 
like the song this morning? Does it take a lot? Yeah, it takes a lot to believe. It takes a lot to live by faith. That's why we couldn't accomplish what was needed in the Old Testament. But this time, the sacrifice is God's, yet again. Because not even in the Old Testament did he allow their firstborn sons to be sacrificed. He didn't allow what it would take, which is the ultimate sacrifice, the blood of his own son. And in Hebrews 9, 11, or sorry, Hebrews 9, yeah, verse 11 and 12. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle. There's always two rooms in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once and for all time and secured our redemption forever. Thank you, Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, you'll also see in chapter 5 that God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering so that we may be right, made right with God. And we see the fulfillment of the Old Testament of the ultimate sacrifice of what it would take. And we seal this. He, he needs a seal. And he seals this in Ephesians 1. And he reveals more. Do we have that one? God's purpose was that we Jews were the first to trust in Christ who would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, hey, that's us, have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, which he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee, or seal, that he will give us the inheritance that he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. And he did this so that we would praise and glorify him. That makes it a little easier to live by faith, doesn't it? With the Holy Spirit? So through Christ, and now with the Holy Spirit. What a gift. What a gift. This new covenant that Jesus made, well, that's for everyone. We're all his chosen people. We've been set apart. We all have the opportunity to have a restored, renewed partnership, an everlasting partnership. We haven't even seen the completion yet. And Jesus, he made a way for all of us. And he is committed to making us partners that become more and more like him. 
I'm going to end with one more verse. It's been a little bit versy, but I'm a little bit preachy. But Ephesians 1, 4, I'll end with, even before he made the world, God loved us. And he chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. He doesn't see that sin anymore. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And I learned in midweek group that Christ isn't Jesus' last name. Go to midweek group. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God loves us. He's pleased with you. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us his kind or sh showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ which is to fill his own good plan. This was the plan all along, not the last resort. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. This is a great story. The Bible is my favorite book. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.